Hey family, thank you for tuning into Our Roots Podcast with Joseph Babaifa, where only the strongest roots see the light. Brought to you by Botanica Candles and more. And if you haven't had the opportunity, please tap that like button and hit that subscribe button. We have a wonderful episode planned for you today. But before we delve into that, we definitely want to show our love to all of our membership program um, members. Um, starting off with our supporter level, uh, Mr. Max T, Miss Nicole XO, and Miss Like It um, Like It Really Is. Um, apart from that, we have our premium superfan level, which includes Punk and Maddox, Kenya Hutton, All the Difference 2012, and then our VIP members, Noble, Lodger Rocks, Queen Liquidators B, Box Chevy Champ, Donna Moon Goddess, Robert C. Fuentes Jr., Exhibit ANY, Street Tuber. We have Aishani Bush, and we have Argelia. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of our family as we continue to grow. And for everybody that is not a part that wants to be shouted out on an episode, please definitely tap on that link to become a part of our membership program. Thank you so much. Growing by the day. Today's episode, Ifa and Anya. Um, definitely an episode that I'm very excited about because it's an instrument and energy that has intrigued me since I was a young boy in Hialeah. Um, and today I feel very humbled and very excited because we have a guest who has literally dedicated their life to this music, African percussion, etc. Um, you know, an academian, um, a real, a real student of the science, I'll say a real son of the science. And I want you guys to join me in welcoming Mr. Mike Spiro Olubada. Mike, are you there? I am here. I wasn't quite sure about the delay, but I'm here and I hear you fine. Oh, my God. My friend, it, it, it's such a pleasure to have you on. We want to say thank you so much and um, really excited to talk about Anya because um, such a beautiful music and such a beautiful art form and, and to have somebody such as yourself who's dedicated so much time to this culture and this instrument. We're really excited and want to thank you. My honor. Thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. So before we get into all the fun stuff of uh, stuff of smacking the skins and, you know, ringing the bells, um, we kind of want to get into uh, into your backstory. Right. So, um, you know, can you kind of let us know where you're from and, and what your background is? Yeah, um, I'm a gringo, pure and pure. I'm a white guy born in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, and because of my where I lived as a kid, I grew up uh actually on Motown. I'm a James Brown, Temptations, Joe Tex, Otis Redding. Nice. Aretha. That's, that's my adolescence. Uh, and um, so I knew nothing of Afro-Cuban music or uh La Musica Latina, I didn't know anything about it. I'm not sure that I do today, but <laughs> but maybe I know a little bit more about it today than when I was a kid. Um, and then one thing kind of led to another, and um, oh, I decided one day that I was going to quit college and learn to play drums. And I looked around, and everybody was a drum set player. 
And I thought, well, why don't I get some conga drums and um, be a little different than everybody else? And, you know, my dream would be to, would have been to play congas for Aretha or for the Four Tops or, or James Brown. Uh, and then in the process of, so I got a couple of conga drums and realized that I had no idea how to play them didn't know anything really about them. And that led me to start looking for teachers and studying. And that then led to this complete <laughs> left turn in my life. Uh, so that's kind of the backstory for me. I, I tell you, when we, when we first spoke, it, it was very refreshing because, um, you know, you revealed to me that you're of Hungarian descent like me. And... Um, I thought it was so ironic because you don't meet a lot of us here. Like even with the Sicilian thing, like people are like, whoa, but you know, to actually see somebody else in this from, you know, our Eastern block was really refreshing. And then apart from that, the music you're mentioning, it resonates so much with me because my grandmother was a huge Motown girl. My mother has had me listening to all of the names you've mentioned since I was a young man. And it's interesting because even when I sing Orisha music, and maybe this happens to you when you play the drum, they're like, man, you, you sing with a lot of soul, you know? So um, I'm not sure if that happens to you. Maybe with your Bata style, you know, people kind of look at you like, oh, where'd you get that from? You know, that, that, that flavor. So, you know, does that happen yeah, at all? And, well, I, it happens, but, you know, I don't necessarily associate it with my love for Motown per se as much as I don't think that you, if, if you play music for the Oricha, um, uh, you know, as, as a, full component of your life and you don't bring your okokan, you don't bring your emotion, you don't bring your corazón, your heart. I, I don't know how you could sing or play. So I don't associate it per se with my love for Motown as much as if you don't play music with passion, any music with passion, I don't know how you play music and let alone oricha music. If you don't have passion for that when you play or sing, I don't see how you could even do it. And and that makes a lot of sense because when, you know, the little bit that I've been able to understand about percussion in general or even African percussion is it resonates with the heartbeat. You know, from what I understand, that's where these rhythms really derive from, you know, and that's why they're they're so in unison. So that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I, I remember when you told me you were going to be on tour for this interview and, you know, we appreciate your time once again so much, you know, could you let um, our viewers know about some of your academic credentials, you know, as, as so they can have an idea of it moving forward? Yeah. Okay. I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I don't, um, I don't spend a lot of time. Well, it's, it's interesting uh, dwelling on it because in fact, uh, I only have a bachelor's degree. Um, nice. I, uh, I went to graduate school years ago uh, for three and a half years, actually, but I quit. It's interesting. I, I, I quit because I wanted to learn to play bata. And in order to do that, I had to leave the city that I was in graduate school in. Wow. And I never, and I never went back. Uh, but I had... Uh, and throughout my adult life, I got had gotten gigs teaching at different universities and then being a guest artist at a lot of different universities. Actually, 
hundreds of them. Um, as it turned out, I was a guest artist all over the United States and in Europe and in Latin America and a lot of places. Um, and then in 2008, I got a job at Indiana University uh, in the in the uh, percussion and jazz departments. And then they gave me tenure. And so I was an associate professor uh, of both jazz and percussion um, at Indiana University until I re retired at the end of 2018. So even though officially I only have a bachelor's degree at one point in my life, I guess you could say I was a serious academician, I guess you could say. Well, you did much better than me. I, I dropped out before my sophomore year, so you're an inspiration. <laughs> to me, you're an absolute inspiration, Baba, you know. So you, you mentioned you mentioned um, you you have this run in with the congas, right? You're interested in them. Um, you're looking for teachers. You, you're delving into the conga. I'm sure. When did you first hear bata? How did that come about? Um, let's see. My conga drum teacher. Um, I wanted to learn. Exposed me to la musica folklorica, you know, rumba. Uh, Bembe, Wido, Yesa, although exposed is a tricky word because back then, this would be like mid-1970s, there weren't a lot of things, you know, opportunities to be exposed to. But, uh, and then one day gave me a record to take home called Tambores Bata, which was a famous Bata record from way back in the day by um, Gerardo Rodriguez, who was one of the, the disciples of Okilacua, Pablo Roche. Oh, wow. Uh, and played with Pablo and Raul Diaz, better known as Nasaco and Trinidad Terregrosa, who was a famous Osainista oh, yeah. back in the day. And Gerardo was one was a part of that equipo, part of that crew. And he made a record that um, called Tambores Bata that my teacher gave me. And it was just kind of mind boggling to me how beautiful it was, even though I didn't really know what it was or anything about it. And then um, I saw my teacher play, not at a ceremony, this was again back in the 1970s, uh, with his two guys at a, at a, like a salsa concert. And they opened the concert um, by playing bata drums for like, like five minutes or something, you know, just a little, a little bit. And, and I just went, okay, I don't know anything. I don't know what this is. I don't know nothing, but that's what I want to do. Wow. And like one of those love at first sight kind of things. And that sounds kind of cliched. Uh, not kind of. It sounds cliched. But it was the truth. It literally, I fell in love with it. And knew then and there that if I ever could 
that's what I would learn to do. And uh, it's now, what, 50 years later? And wow. I'm still in love with it. I tell you, Mike, I resonate that with that so much because I remember the first time I heard um, somebody doing a bow on my block in Hialeah when I was a young boy or the first time <laughs> I heard even, you know, somebody like you, you see the Bawalaos, they're walking around, you know, they got the big bracelets on and you hear the Borui Boya and you're like, I don't know what that is, but I want that. And um, <laughs> I, I resonate with you, brother. And it's interesting because Ifad does as well because there's actually a pataki in the Odu of Oyekuni Lobe that speaks of when there was a young boy. Um, who was walking and he heard the bata drums and he had no idea what it was that he was hearing, right? But he just kept going closer and closer and closer to the call until he encountered, obviously, the three. And um, it, it really is what you just mentioned, you know, that I don't know what this is, what we're doing, but I want to be a part of it. So it's really incredible that that's kind of actually what happened because Ifa is constantly... Um, you know, re reliving itself. So I'm not sure if you mentioned him previously, but um, could you mention your teacher's name again? I, I think it escaped Yes. Me. Yeah, his name, this was my, my first teacher. I've had many, well, I should say several, not many. Uh, and his name is Marcus Gordon. Marcus Gordon uh, was originally from New York and was one of the first... Americans to play bata in the United States ever back in New York. Wow. Uh, and then he moved to San Francisco, uh, Omo Batala, uh, and was single-handedly responsible for an enormous amount of Caribbean culture that ended up, or I should say, because the Brazilian culture isn't Caribbean, but right, but Latin and Brazilian and Caribbean culture in the in the San Francisco Bay Area. He, along with a couple of other people, started the whole uh, Carnaval celebration that now has been going on in San Francisco for, you know, 50 years or whatever. Um, he is Obatala made now for probably 45 years, something like Good that, Lord. I'm guessing. Um, and uh, really a, 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 a really important uh, figure in San Francisco Bay Area cultural existence and growth. Um, so Marcus was my first folkloric teacher, if you will. Um, I had a conga drum, a drum teacher before him named Kenneth Nash, who was uh, very well known at, back in the day, a conga, jazz conga player, African-American conga player, who told me to go to Marcus because he had started to expose me to Afro-Cuban music. And he told me, I'm an African-American. I don't really play that music. If you want to learn that, you need to go see this guy, Marcus Gordon. So Kenneth recommended me to Marcus and... Marcus was my teacher for many, many years, and then, but wouldn't teach me Bata because at that time it was a secret, and wouldn't nobody would teach it. Cubanos wouldn't teach it. The few Americans that knew anything about it wouldn't teach it. 
And so I was in graduate school in Seattle uh, a few years later, and he called me on the phone and said, uh, well, I'm going to teach Bata if you want to learn, you're welcome. And I left Seattle and moved to San Francisco and never left. That's incredible. I tell you, just, just to feel the call and have so much certainty um, <laughs> about what you yeah. wanted to do. And just go with it. And it really is a risk, you know, whenever you, especially in something like this where it's so unregulated, where it's so foreign to people such as us who are born in this country. You know, even if yeah. you're from a place even like Miami, there were times when I didn't know religion was happening around me, you know, because yeah. if you're not trained to it, you don't know what's really occurring. So yeah, you, you take this epic leap of faith. You follow this man um, to the bay and you start learning this uh, this instrument. Right. Um, what ultimately led you to the point where you're like, well, now I'm going to get initiated into this. Well, so Marcus got really busy and he sort of handed me off to a gentleman named Harold Muniz, a Puerto Rican guy. And Harold Muniz and me and a guy you may have heard of, his name is John Santos. Yes, He's absolutely. A, absolutely. Right, so John, very well-known uh, Latin musician. We, uh, we all played in a band together called the Orquesta Batachanga. Nice. Um, um, we were incorporating all kinds of folkloric music into the charanga tradition. Uh, we were playing sort of contemporary Cuban charanga, but then we would put bat, what, what bata we knew in it. Uh, Wawanko, uh, Weiro, different things. And at that time, my next mentor, if you will, was a very famous and profound drummer by the name of Francisco Aguavella. Oh, yeah. And Francisco Aguavella lived in the Bay Area, and he played in a nightclub four nights a week. And every now and then, he would come hear our band, and he would be very complimentary, which was not his nature. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Oh, you guys play good, man. You guys play good. No, you got to keep playing. But he would never like, you know, that would be it. And then one day he came to our gig and he said, uh, I got to talk to you guys. Uh, and he met us after the gig and he said, I'm bringing a set of fundamento from Matanzas because Aguaveo was a matancero. Wow. Uh, and arguably the most famous Matancero, certainly in the history of the U.S. Uh, and I need three guys to play it with me, and I want to know if you guys will do it. And um, John and Harold had already been sworn, already were hurrao, Um by a Cuban gentleman by the name of Alfredo Coyute, Alfredo Vido. And, but I was not, 
And so I was, uh, but you can't play Fundamento if you're not sworn. Of course. So uh, Marcus had put Alekes on me and given me my Warriors, but I did not yet have my Mano de Orunla, and I was not yet sworn to Anya. So Francisco swore me uh, uh, to the drum, and then I went to New York and received my Mano de Orunla from Julito Collazo, um, who was my godfather then, of course, in Ifa. And um, that began my fundamental uh, life. And where did actually your um, your swearing in of Anya occur, brother? Los, Los Angeles. Because um, Francisco, shortly a- uh, after we started to play fundamental, moved from San Francisco to L.A. So we used to commute to, to L.A. from San Francisco. But... Keep in mind, I put the word commute in quotes because even then it was a six-hour drive. Oh, wow. And now, it's an, now it's an eight-hour drive. So uh, <laughs> uh, we paid our dues, brother. And, and so much respect for that because you see what you guys had to do to be able to get to a level of proficiency. It's really commendable. You know, even... With any fun now, my generation, um, we're, we're very privileged, you know, because even though you can never um, replace an excellent me- mentor, guide, and elder, there's so much at our fingertips. And um, I, I think that's yeah. a, a big yeah. issue now is that, you know, we really can't replace that due process because it, it builds a strength and character to where you really appreciate yeah. what it is that you're doing that you see so characteristic of your generation and you know, it's 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 very key, and and to maintain that, you know, by way of people hearing you talk about it, is is very important for you know us well, continuing I, this tradition. You know, I think uh, all of the discussions that that we all have in any walk of life about technology and the internet and digital technology, and um, I think I think we 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 need and should have. A lot of discussions and um, I'm trying to find the right word, but sort of investigaciones, you know, about there are great things about technology. There are bad things about technology and how that impacts our tradition, our religion, our music, uh, Odu, uh, all of it. You know, it's 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 a very complex issue. It's not simple, and I don't think it's all bad. But I don't know. I think I don't think it's all good. I think there's a lot a lot to be you know unpacked and all that. So yeah, it's a new era. Sure. And um, so now you're in the thick of the juramento, right? So obviously, without going into details about the ceremony, what are the emotions that you're going through? Like, oh my God, I'm here. You know, what was that like? Um. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, we, you know, we, we, the thing that I want to say I can't say because it sort of gives away <laughs> part of the ceremony. Sure. I'll just. Um, I think it's fair. It's it's not a secret to say. It's a trial by ordeal, right? <laughs> yeah, so is. let's yeah. just say that most of the thought is not, oh, hey, you know, I made it. It's more like, am I going to survive this thing? <laughs> uh, uh, 
And then after the fact is when you can kind of take stock of, of its meaning and, and what it gives you in your life and, and so forth. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the process itself is maybe not the most fun thing you ever did in your life. It's rigorous. It's rigorous. I yeah. Remember, Cause I actually went through it. Um, I want to say a year and a quarter ago, right before my daughter oh. was born. And, um, you know, it was profound, but like you said, it's rigorous. It's trial by error. Um, and, um, you just got to hang on for dear life. And, um, you know, but I tell you, once you, you make it through and you're accepted by the brothers and there's that fraternity, it's one of the most beautiful things. Um, yes. And that I appreciate is for it. Sure. Yeah. I, that, I appreciate it. That is for sure. That the fraternity and the, that's a, it, it literally is a life, a source of life, of ashe, of, of life fulfilling energy. So yeah, it's a beautiful thing once you've completed it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, I tell you, you know, it, it was a beautiful energy to align with. And I ask you after now that you're aligned with Anya and, you're delving probably deeper even into your studies, and now you're starting to see this proficiency take place. You know, um, how did life change for you after the juramento? What what things did you notice within yourself now that you were licensed? You know, um, I, I think I think it's like anything. It, what if we said that being sworn is the equivalent of getting like your advanced degree in something? You know, like it's one thing to be a medical student. And then it's another thing to actually become a doctor. Like now you're an official actual doctor. So I think when you receive your advanced degree, all it does is deepen your commitment to the thing that you got your degree in. So once you pass the bar and you become a lawyer, that just, further deepens your commitment to the study of the law, even though when you were studying law, you as a, as a student, you felt very committed, but, but it's another level of commitment after you're sworn. That that's beautiful. And I, I, I definitely feel that even though I haven't reached that level of proficiency in the drum, just being able to, you know, receive my cuchillo as a bawalao, um, being able to, you know, do things autonomously. It gives a great deal yeah. of satisfaction, especially when you see yeah. your elders saying, hey, good job there. Hey, that was solid. Yeah. You know, it's 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 really beautiful. And um, bef yeah. before my I, next question, I like Mike, um, I, I want to relay a, a pataki to you because it's one that, you know, after I got sworn in, I really delved into the literature behind Nanya within Ifa because they are two deities that are so intertwined and i think sometimes it gets lost in context you know because some of this information isn't out there um but but there's a beautiful story um that speaks of when olodumari commissioned um, a gentleman named osain in conjunction with ogun to construct an instrument or a tool that was going to facilitate communication between the both of them right um so they did that, you know, going with his tools or obviously gave the tree, whichever one of the many ones that are used um, to confection it. And he constructed ultimately four of them. But, you know, the fourth one has its purpose and they were going to play three. Um, so he called on his friends. Right. Um, he called on his friend, the elephant, 
who was going to play the Okonkolo because he felt that it befitted his, you know, profile more. And then he also called on his brother, the Antelope, to play Itotale because he felt like it kind of assimilated him better. And Osang was going to sit in the middle, right? And they started playing. And, you know, by way of this unison, it, it got the attention of a gentleman named Shango, who we all know. And Shango, when he heard the rhythm, he came running. And he took all three drums from these gentlemen and said, uh, you know, I'm going to start playing. And he started playing all three drums at once to the amazement, obviously, of the people he took the drum from. So he looked at all of them and he said, hey, you know, I'm not trying to bully you guys, but these are mine now. So if I need you, I'll call on you. And the elephant and the antelope were greatly offended. They said, we won't call on, we're, we're not coming if you call us. And Osang said, well, Shango, we're going to have to make a pact here because my guys don't want to work with you, but, you know, things need to happen. So Shango and Osang made the pact, and then the elephant and the antelope said, hey, we'll come whenever you call us, right? Um, and it's a really beautiful pataki that's, that's in the Odu of Edibere, right? Um I, I mention all these different things um, because obviously you've fluctuated between all three of these. I remember the first time I saw you were playing Iya beautifully. Um, I remember when I got sworn in, and this is obviously very brief, but when you're behind that thing, you know, and, and <laughs> you, you're, you're hearing that bass and you're putting your hands on it and you're feeling that vibration and what I like to characterize as that heat, you know, what are some of the things you're feeling um, when you're behind the middle? You know, and, and you're 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 kind of fluctuating there. What are some of not only emotions but feelings? You know, symptoms, anything like that. What, what's it like back there at your level? Uh, I I think two things were, you know, so, one yes is power because you are really con controlling the room. The, the room is in in your charge. Yes, it, the the akpon, the singer is in charge, of course. But the person playing EI is kind of in charge of the energy in the room. Definitely. Yeah, the, the Akpon is calling, but the the energy you're constructing the energy, uh, hopefully in a very uh, uh, kind of a logical and with a lot of forethought and a lot of care. Um, so there's kind of the power of that chair, I guess, like flying a plane. Yeah, you got a bunch of instruments that you can rely on, but you're flying that plane. Um, and therefore, then the responsibility that the the Calling, calling Ocha, bringing Oricha. Yeah, again, the Akpon obviously is uh, the one sort of doing the calling, but in conjunction with you as the Cajero. And that's a, that, that means you have a great deal of responsibility and you have to be willing to accept that. You have to be willing to embrace that. And you have to be then willing to um, take that on for the entire, for everybody that's in the room. You, you're kind of in charge. So people have to trust you. 
and they have to trust that you're there for them, not for your ego and not for your own personal sort of look at me, look at me, look at me. So I think those are the things that kind of go through my head. And I, I, I can understand that completely because it's like you said, all everyone is in your care because even though obviously the apon, you know, the song is important, the verb is important, even when you go from the very beginning of the drumming, the drum is the one that speaks first, you know, and ultimately yep. the one that speaks last, even with the closing, you know. That's so correct. That's you correct. really control the ambiance of that room. And if if obviously if you're not in unison, then everything kind of goes out of whack. You know, this it's, yeah. it's, it's the basis. And the message to Olofi is being transmitted through Anya. I mean, the singer, again, it's both, right? I don't want to diminish in any way the role of the singer. Because sometimes I'm the singer, so I don't want to diminish my own role. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Damn, Mike, you said this, right? No, no, no. <laughs> right, yeah, right, exactly. But, but Anya is is delivering the message to Olofi. If we're presenting a Yawo, if we're playing for Egun, it is Anya that is delivering the message. So the director of Anya, that's 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 a pretty darn important and responsible chair. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, because it's it's your it's you it's your face, you know. Especially the drum is yours. You're over there in the middle. People are looking at you like Mike. What happened there? Or Mike, that was wonderful. Yep. You know, all the glory and all the spoils, or all the all the responsibilities. So that's it, correct. It makes perfect you receive, sense. Yeah, you receive all the ire. You also receive all the oso. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it, it can come real quick if if the drum is not <laughs> rocking. You know. Yep. 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 I tell you, it is interesting, you know, because we're talking about this gentleman Osang, right? And um, Osang, Osang is an interesting character because, you know, you, you hear the brothers in the drum, they talk about, man, Anya is addicting, right? And oh, yeah. It's easy to see why because you, you have a beautiful music. It's like you said, there is that power. There is that 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 fraternity. It's a beautiful equation. But th there's actually a padaki. Um, that speaks of that addiction, right? Or, or how when things aren't maneuvered accordingly, you can get trapped in the drum, right? Even though to the to the untrained ear, it's like, why wouldn't I want to get trapped to it? But when we look at the Odu Irete File or Irete Ofung, it speaks of when Olodumare's son um, wanted to be a drummer, right? And he was very fantastic at it. He was really talented. Um, but Olodumare um, had explained to his son I'm not trying to interrupt your ambitions, but, you know, you have to go through your proper processes. You know, you have to visit Orula, go through your hand of Ifa process, you know, establish yourself. Because, you know, it's not that um, everything isn't the drum, but at the same time, the drum isn't everything. Even if you're going to live off of it and dedicate your life to it, you know, you have to protect yourself and make sure you're in line and in frequency with her. Um, of course, he did not listen, like most adolescent men don't to their dads, right? And um, he went to the drum. But he didn't realize that some of the brothers there, you know, based on how good he was, didn't have the best intentions for him. And he actually became a slave to that specific set, right? Um, why do I bring this pataki up? I bring it up because obviously the amount of hours you have to put in, not only to memorize these rhythms, but the timing and the cadence. Um, you know, even though it might have been a healthy obsession, you know, when you're really growing and becoming proficient, did you become, you know, constructively addictive to this this beautiful instrument 
Yeah, and 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 yes, it, it's fair to say. With, I think it's fair to say that it's it's po- it's a positive addiction, but it is an addiction. It 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 almost has to take over your life um, if you if you're not born into it. If you come out of your mother's womb in Matanzas and it's all around you, maybe you don't have to study that hard because it's just a part of your life. But if you're if you're in Alejo, if you're a foreigner, uh, doesn't matter whether you're Yuma, you don't have to be American. You could be, you know, German, French, Mexican, Japanese, doesn't matter. If you're going to learn it correctly, it has to become an, an addiction and no addiction is all healthy. There, I'm sorry. You yes, know, sir. There's, so, again, you, if you do this, you must, you will sacrifice. My padrino uh, used to say, Anya es sacrificio. And would never say, Anya is, you know, alegría or, you know, vamos a disfrutar. Anya es sacrificio. Yeah. And yeah. and then to own a set of drums is even more sacrificial. Uh because then you're the caretaker. And uh it's one thing to play them and it's another thing to take care of them and own them and uh and and be responsible for them. So the addiction is uh like everything in life is two-sided. There's, it's not a one-sided addiction by any means. And, um, you know, obviously you taking it so seriously and dedicating yourself to this. How long did you wait before you pulled out You pulled out your own set, at least the first one? Well, I never asked for my first set. My teacher in Cuba sent me a letter back in the day when there were no telephones. Wow. I'm not being fun. Well my first uh how do i put this there were telephones in cuba but there were like one phone per block so you couldn't call somebody uh in cuba um if um yeah and so it was the old thing of they would write a letter and then they would give it to somebody who was traveling to somewhere outside of the country meaning if they knew somebody maybe that at some point was going to Spain or Mexico or, and then that person would send it to their kid who lived in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who would put it in the mail to you. So it was the old Wells Fargo Pony Express thing. You might I would have used the, the, I would have used the pigeon personally. Well, <laughs> yeah, except that in this case, yeah, except that, the distance is too great, right? Oh, good Lord, yeah, of course. So, so, uh, and I, uh, my teacher in Matanzas was arguably the the most famous percussionist in Cuban history, maybe. His name? One of. His name was Esteban Vega Bacayao, más conocido por Chacha. Oh wow! He was the 
He was the quinto player for the Muñequitos de Matanzas. Oh, wow. Actually, for the Wawanko Matancero. Yeah. And the acknowledged Bata master of his generation, at least specifically in Matanzas, because there were other guys in Havana, of course. No, gentleman um, drummer, gentleman drummer, definitely. But he was the guy. So I'm in my house and I get this letter six months later after he wrote it saying i've 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 made your drums come get them oh lord and i i'm like what do you mean you made my what are you talking about i didn't even know what he was talking about i never asked him to make me drums yeah i never went there and said oye cha-cha no, 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 no. I never said a word about that. I didn't have Ocha made yet. The last thing in the world that would have ever occurred to me is that I should ask for a set of fundamental. And he sends me this letter <coughs> saying, okay, they're here. You got to come get them. And I wrote him back and said, I'm not getting fundamental i don't even wouldn't even know how to take care of them i don't i'm not i don't have ultra may what are you talking about and he wrote me back and he said if you don't come get these drums don't ever come back to my house oh god talk about motivation yeah <laughs> so i went and got him i mean we had to birth them you know he had the shells made and everything but then we had to birth them and so forth and so on, you know, as you know, that's a quite a process. Oh yeah. And so uh, I had, well, and then again, so now if you have a set of fundamental, how do you not make your ocha? So two years later I made my ocha. And then several years after that, my padrino in ocha passed away and he was a famous, famous tambolero in La Habana and he had two sets of drums. And so one, he gave one to my Himagua in Santo and he gave one to me. So then now I have two sets of Fundamento, one from Matanzas and one from La Habana. So my addiction has <laughs> turned into quite a, quite a responsibility. And your padrino's name was Mike? Regino Jimenez Saez most better known as um, Omi Saide, um, but he was a disciple of Jesus Perez, and he had, he became the, uh, the, uh, the dueño, if you will, of Jesus Perez's drums when Jesus Perez passed away. Um, and, uh, so I'm a student disciple, if you will, of both Chacha in Matanzas and Regino in La Habana. Mike, I mean, that's that's pretty. Those are some pretty big names for somebody from St. Louis, man. And, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Destiny <laughs> is is incredible because I know for a fact how selective, or at least I have heard how selective, um, at least Chacha was, especially taking people on, and then to get a drum out of anybody over there, let alone him you really went through that classic process and it really, you know, speaks volumes about you and what they recognized in you and the dedication you put into this beautiful Orisha. I have to ask you then, being around all these celebrated men, legendary men, 
apart from the music, what's the greatest lesson you learned from them outside of that? Wow. Um, I'd like to pause for a very long time, uh, but because it's a podcast, I won't, uh, you know, to think about the answer. But um, I think I'm going to say humility. I'm Beautiful. sure there are people who would say that I have no humility of any kind. Yeah, but what? And that, I'm, <laughs> and I'm just, you know, you know, completely, you know, mentiroso, mentiroso. But um, humility, uh, uh, responsibility to Ocha, responsibility to Anya, responsibility to maintaining a a tradition that. Um, now in the modern world is being changed, transformed, I would argue corrupted. Who am I to say that? I don't know. I'm nobody. But uh, And so to this day, I make every effort to do things the way that I was taught by those two gentlemen, which keep, puts me actually out of step with the modern world and out of alignment, if you will, with the way people do things now. So um, I've become the crotchety old man that <laughs> the younger generation goes, yeah, that old guy, he's old and cranky. He, you know, he doesn't really understand how things are. Mike, I, I got to touch on your guardian angel after hearing that, you know, because <laughs> if there's anybody that was old and crotchety, it was Baba, right? It was all Baba. Yeah, of course, of course. And and it's I, I remember you just told me this before we started, and as soon as you told me you were a son of Baba, I said this is incredible because it just makes so much sense. Because you know, when you think of the drum now, who does everybody talk about? They're talking about Shango. They're talking about Osang. No one talks about Obatala, and Obatala, Scripture says, was the first owner of a lot of things, but one of them was the drums of Bata, right? And what happened was is Obatala um, was the owner of the Bata drums, and he had a son named Shango and a son named Elegua. And Shango was always trying to get the drums from his father, right? But Obatala realized that his son was spoiled, he didn't do well in his studies, and he knew if he gave him the drum, he was going to drop out and just completely focus on that, right? So he told him no. And Shango was very spoiled, and he just went on the corner and started crying outside of the castle. So his brother comes up and says, bro, why are you crying? He said, our dad won't give me the drums, and I, I can't live. I'm going to die. I'm going to jump off of a cliff. And Elegua said, don't worry. We're going to get the drums. Relax. He said, no, you don't understand. When dad says he's not going to give me some, he's not going to give it to me. He said, we're going to make them. They waited for Obatala to leave the house, right? And then Elegua snuck in with his brother, and they covered the drum in red palm oil. This is in the Odu Oturadi. And when Obatala came home, he saw the drums covered in red palm oil. And obviously, that was a huge taboo for him. He literally threw the drums out of the window, right? And... To protect the drum, because Oturadi speaks of why Anya can't touch the ground, Chango and Elegua caught the drums and ran away from him. And when Obatala looked out the window and saw that he had been duped, he said, these kids, man, I, I can't deal with them. Just let them have it, because hasta cuando, you know? 
So, you know, a couple things, you know, are spoken of in this Odu. It speaks of why Obadala ended up leaving Bata and getting into the drums of Igbing, you know, which are popular in Africa. Um, why, you know, the brother Tamboreros put the red palm oil on their hands sometimes to play. All of these different elements, right? But it's interesting the point you make. Obatala was so jealous with the drum and it being handled correctly and insane and humble hands. What advice would you give to any of these young guys who are thinking about or starting to learn Anya and Bata or even the guys that are already in that are uh, trying to preserve um, this tradition and this, uh, this instrument? Well, notice how your question ended with trying to preserve this tradition. I think that in any walk of life, many elders will say that the youngers are not trying to preserve the tradition. They're trying to just modernize it and do their own thing. So, um, if the younger person is, in fact, interested in preserving the tradition, which I wonder about these days, I would say to them that they need to, to do their homework and their research, meaning they need to go back back, back, learn how things were 80 years ago, and then 60 years ago, and then 40 years ago, and then 20 years ago. Um, how did things get played? How did things get prayed? How did things uh, learn how it was, and then how it developed, so that you don't think that what they do today is necessarily what you're supposed to do? or is the best way to do it. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a professional musician as a career, and it's, it's the same thing, right? Learn, learn how it was first before you try to play modern. How do you know how modern happened if you don't know how the past was? So same thing here, and then spend as much time as you can with the elders even if that time is what you think wasted time, meaning, but I'm not being taught something or we're not playing or we're not, you know, we're just sitting around having lunch maybe. But it's when you sit with the elders that they tell you the story, the equivalent of the patakis. I mean, today you've given four or five patakis, but it doesn't even have to be a pataki, right? The, the elder guy might say, you know, I was playing a tambor for Ochun one day, and, and th this is what happened, or, or you know, that's when so-and-so saying this, so we created this tambor, this toque, I mean, because blah, blah, blah. All of your history, all of your, your uh, collective knowledge, all of the traditional information is in the, the memories and the brains of the mayores. Not written down in a book, not, I mean, not on some YouTube video, not in a podcast <laughs> with Joe and Mike. Yes, no, sir. no, no. It's with the mayores. So every minute that you can spend, and not only spend with them, but in service to them, 
pick them up, take them to the drugstore if they need their prescription filled. Um, um, I don't know, cook them dinner. Uh, you know, be in service to 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 your elders, and in turn, that's how you will learn the really profound things that you need to know to learn about and preserve the tradition. Mike, uh, that's awesome, man. And I think the greatest things I've ever learned weren't from a book. And, you know, we, we tell our viewers all the time, um, we, this is great. The podcast is beautiful. We, we relay a lot of great information, but none of it will ever compare to what you will learn with your elders. You, that love, that, that sense of filial loyalty. Um, you know, the greatest Patakis I ever learned were just hearing the old guys talk, you know, after a couple, you know, a couple, you know, canyangas and, you know, hey, uh, you know, a little rumba and they're just talking and, and you're just sucking it all in. So I, I think that's beautiful. And it reminds me of the samurais, man. You know, people would, you know, go to war to be able to serve the master tea. You know, they'd go to war to see who was going to sharpen the master's blade. You know, who's going to carry the drum for, you know, uh, Baba, who's, you know, that those kind of things. It's it's so beautiful when it's healthy and when it's reciprocated and, and you're from a time where, you know, that really was still happening and, and you're keeping that alive just with this conversation because it really starts here because unfortunately, maybe that young guy saw something ulterior and then hearing you, he's like, well, maybe I should dig a little bit more. You know, maybe there is something, maybe there was a life, maybe there were people before I was born, you know, because some people are even like, was there anybody <laughs> before I was born? Was there anything? You know what I'm saying? So that that's beautiful and it, it resonates with me because in my first steps in Ifa, you know, you pick up the mop, you know, you carry the rooster, you know, at, at first glance, you're like, man, I'm a slave, but that's where you get that respect. That's where you get that consideration. And, you know, the, the student of today is the teacher of tomorrow, you know? Yeah. And, and you are a slave. That's correct. Adibo. And, yeah. you, and you have to learn to embrace that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like Orula said, it's better to be the slave of Olod Dumari than the king of man. So as long as you're going through your apprenticeship and as long as you're just to be just to be around, just to be invited. And I'm sure you could say this, but I've heard the old guy say it. Oh, yeah. Just to be invited to a misa, to an ifa, to play at a drumming. This was, you know, like this was like, you know, take like take take you're taken aback by it because you don't have to be invited you don't have to be in the plans you know what i'm saying and just to be there is an honor and whatever comes after that is greatly appreciated you know so all true all true mike i have to say you know there's various odus you know turarico speaks of when shango would play the drum and, and people applauded him and he felt great doing it iroso gang was where he played the drum and become became king i mean You've played, you know, how many, you know, said amount of drummings over decades, you know, I get into numbers, but I ask you, um, before we bring things full circle, you know, what has the feeling been like over a career that spans decades to play this instrument, bring joy and see the positive effect it's had on a community? What has that been like? Well, it's obviously, a lot. you feel like it was a life well lived. Um, nice. you feel like, like, like you, you, you had a life that was self-fulfilling and therefore in turn communally fulfilling. And, um, I don't think 
I don't think we are selfless beings. I'm not Gandhi. I'm not, I'm not, no, you know what I mean? In we're other not words, Obadala, we're not Orula. We're just man, this humble man. We're just, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, I think we, we want to be fulfilled. We want to feel the positive uh, energy of a, of a life well lived. So I, I think uh, it's both. I feel like I had a, fantasy life and in turn if i was able in that to to provide that that positive emotion for other people moni hey that's great you know beautiful uh so um i just think the cliche of i feel so blessed you know all right what a cliche but i do so i'll use the cliche I feel very blessed to have had the life that I've had. Mike, um, really beautiful conversation. I love you already, brother. I mean, we've spoken, <laughs> we've spoken voice to voice, I think less than three times. And, and you remind me of people um, that played such a huge role and were so impactful in my life. Um, my elders of Ifa, the people I've been able to experience within this, even going all the way back to being a young boy in Miami. Um, you know, I want to thank you so much. And I want to give you the opportunity to um, talk about some of the things you may have going on or just any final words you have for, you know, the Our Roots community. Um, well, I want to come back to you with it. It's really been a pleasure the, the few times we've gotten to speak uh, to speak with you. And first thing we need to do is agree that that whenever I get to Florida, I'm coming to Orlando to meet with you in person. If I don't so go to Cali first, because I'm looking for anything to get out of the state. There you go. So, you know, we will be frente a frente soon enough. Um, if anybody's interested in what I do or what I've done, maybe I guess I should say, uh, no reason why you should be, but if for some reason you wanted to, you could go to MikeSpiro.com. I've uh, lived a a wonderful life as a professional musician. I have a bunch of recordings uh, that I produced in my lifetime, a lot of folkloric recordings, but also Latin jazz and charanga and conjunto. And, uh, uh, and I published a lot of books um, on drumming and music. Uh, I have videos that I've done including one that I'm incredibly proud of, of my madrina and my Ocha family um, playing and singing and dancing the original rumbas from the town of Matanzas from the, the early 20th century that wow. was nominated for a Cuadisco Award, which is the Cuban equivalent of a Grammy. Wow. Um, and so if you go to MikeSpiro.com, you can look at my stuff and see what I did and uh, and so forth. Everybody, this is not a, a promotional uh, moment. It's just if for whatever reason you go, well, let me see what this guy did. You know, feel go there and you can find out about me. Mike, the only thing I ask is that Olodumari bless you. 
you know, about Allah bless you, man. And Yah bless you. bless you. May all the ancestors that, you're men that you've mentioned, may they look upon us with good eyes. And, and by the grace of all of them, may we be able to keep um, our tradition intact and, and keep in contact with our roots. I thank you from the most profound part of myself for this opportunity. And uh, I think this conversation is going to have an impact on a lot of people. So I really appreciate you, brother. And you and I agree to stay in contact. Yeah, um, I'm, te I'm texting you. I'm texting you tomorrow. All right. Um, and uh, I'll be at you, you know, when I get back off the road in about a week, because I'm still I'm up, up in the thick of it. So I'll be at you when I get back home. Word, word, word. Nah, you, you know how it is, man. You keep, uh, keep keep spanking the skins, brother. <laughs> All right. Uh, cuídate y nos vemos pronto. Sounds good. Bendición, Baba. Family, what an amazing conversation. Um, I want to thank Mr. Spiral once again. I want to thank you guys for watching and just share a couple thoughts with you before we go ahead and disconnect. BotanicaCandlesAndMore.com is up and running. We're here for you for all of your products and services that you need, whether it's consultations or mentorship programs, et cetera. Um, our membership program is up and running, up and running. Um, we have a bunch of people joining every day, and we'd love to see you be a part of it, especially our VIP tier, so you can get the most out of us, which is what you've been asking for. The podcast is available on all major platforms, right? If you want to go ahead and visit the website or, you know, hear us, we're everywhere. Be sure to tap on that subscribe button, like button, comment, share. And from Our Roots Podcast, until next time, see the light.